keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, August the 5th, 2022. Praise be to God. You have survived the week. Congratulations. You made it here. You are mere hours away from your weekend. Whatever's on your plans this weekend, skydiving, cliff jumping, whatever you do this weekend is shark diving. I don't I have no idea what you do over the weekend, but I'm sure it involves epic adventure and relaxation and or the honeydew list, whichever comes first. But nonetheless, we are going to have a great hour this hour, and hopefully you'll be able to join us for all or part of it. We do have an interesting and uh, important question to ask. What in the world happened to sacred architecture, and especially in church, you know, church building, church architecture? Like, um, did we fall and hit our head at some point along the way that we built these crazy churches and uh, can we ever get back to something that we would say is uh, epic, beautiful, inspirational, that kind of thing? Well, we want to have that conversation with a Catholic architect, and his name is Rafael Morales, and he, uh, Morales rather. He's going to be on with us uh, this hour, and hopefully you can join us for that, which leads us into uh, the top ten ugliest churches in the whole wide world and the top ten most beautiful churches in the whole wide world. We're going to have that conversation at 15 past the hour. And if you would like to chime in on what you think are the most ugliest or the most beautiful churches, well, you can always comment on one of our live video streams, which are all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Mark Kalk is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. We're going to be talking about the man's duty to defend the most vulnerable. I saw an article out of... Uh, I think it was LifeSite, says abortion plummets 90% in Poland after ban on killing the unborn over birth defects. We were talking about that story not all that long ago, uh, you know, in the, the countries in the far north of Europe who routinely abort their children because of Down syndrome and things like that. It, men, Catholic men should stand up and defend these the, the right of these children to live. We're going to have that conversation with Mark Cox. Join us if you can. Lots of stories in the news. Of course, a Russia court uh, sentenced American basketball star Brittany Grinner to nine years in prison on drug charges. Nicaraguan Catholics are becoming more and more upset at His Holiness Pope Francis because he seems to remain absolutely silent on the fact that Catholic radio stations were shut down. We talked about that yesterday. Patrick Collins, CEO of the GunFood.com, says out of 18,000 rounds of ammunition which he shipped to his customers via UPS, only a third were ever actually delivered. UPS is like, eh, who knows? I don't know. Whatever. I guess that's kind of a big issue, huh? It's a lot of rounds. Uh, at least six people, unfortunately, horrifically, were killed and eight injured when a speeding car drove through a light in Los Angeles uh, yesterday uh, in, to include a woman and her baby her in her uh, womb. Horrific, horrific scene. I guess what bothered me most about watching that video was the fact that the pedestrians, when the light turned green, just drove on by, even though it was a ball of flames. It was horrible. And uh, at any rate, hopefully there's some better news in the news this morning, Rudy. Uh, well, yes and no. Yes and no. a harrowing tale. You do? Involving uh, puppies? No. Oh. Involving an impossible mm. rescue. Really? 
But uh, you know what? You've speaking, intrigued me. Speaking of adventures, yeah. Joe, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I started reading The Hobbit yesterday. Really? Fascinating Aaron tale. back again? Yes, it was great. <laughs> I got through the first You're, 25 pages. The Hobbit's easy. It's the Lord of the Rings that like is like, oh, this is like, feels like work. Uh, I know. But uh, anyway, you know, he's... Uh, He's apprehensive to go on an adventure, mm-hmm. and I suggest this weekend that you yeah. uh, you just go on and, and do an adventure. Don't I put see. off the honeydew mm-hmm. list for a while. Mm-hmm. It can wait. Mm-hmm. It's waited already, you know, mm-hmm. like, what, mm-hmm. a month, two months? So I put say it off, you, keep going on an adventure. I say kick back on the couch with a pipe, some Cheetos, and, a, and the remote. That is the worst combo I've ever heard, <laughs> <laughs> except for the pipe. Speaking of smoking, Adrian Fonseca is here on fire this morning with that tie. Good morning, Diego. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Yeah. And uh, I think I will avoid mm-hmm. both of those things. I don't really? think I'm going to eat Cheetos. No? I also don't think I'm going to go on an adventure. Okay. I think I may, no for you. may just rest, may what? sleep a little, may uh, read a good book. I probably won't watch any movies. You're in the Bayou City. You could go like wrestle an alligator or something. Wrestle an alligator. As mm-hmm. much as I would like to wrestle an alligator, mm-hmm. I will put that off for a later date. <laughs> perhaps uh, next week I will wrestle. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. So put it on the yeah. honeydew list. Yeah. Well, okay. Y'all keep saying mm-hmm. honeydew list. Where does mm-hmm. that come from? I have no idea what you're talking about. Honey, for. can you do this? <laughs> that's right. Yes. Exactly. Honey, where that's from? I told you to fix this. <laughs> yes. Two months ago, and you haven't done it. You know what I Where say? I, what I say, do? listen, listen. Oh, dude. I know. Do it. I, <laughs> I was thinking D-E-W, and I've just been confused this whole time. No. I say, listen, honey, I know that the door handles have to be replaced. I do not need to be reminded every six months. Okay? Back off. Listen, I know there's people breaking in. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm busy. Yeah, honeydew list for, for all this weekend. At any rate, we're, we're going to have a great time today. Please uh, do uh, share us with a friend. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, August 5th, and here are your headlines this morning. LifeSite reports Biden administration looks into using taxpayer-funded Medicaid to pay for out-of-state abortions. The executive order directs Secretary Javier Becerra to consider action to advance access to reproductive health care services, including through Medicaid, for patients who travel out of state for so-called reproductive health care services. This is the latest executive action taken by Biden to promote abortion. He also signed an order in July that promised to fight any attack by state or local official who attempts to interfere with women exercising this so-called right. It still remains unclear how the executive order will get around the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal Medicaid dollars from being used directly to pay for abortions. The Daily Caller reports Senator Marshall to call up bills banning gain-of-function research funding for unanimous consent. The Viral Gain-of-Function Research Moratorium Act would institute a moratorium on any federal research funding to organizations conducting gain-of-function research and other work on dangerous viral pathogens. The Safe Risky Research Act would halt funding to risky gain-of-function research in foreign countries that may threaten national security. 
Gain-of-function research, in case you're wondering, is a medical research that genetically alters an organism in a way that enhances its biological functions of its gene products. One way this research is used is increasing transmissibility of pathogens like viruses. Breitbart reports Chinese company buys 300 acres near American Air Force Base and lawmakers voice national security concerns. The Fufan Group, which is based out of Shandong, China, has recently purchased the sprawling property in Grand Forks, North Dakota. The 300-acre plot of land is roughly 20 minutes from the Grand Forks Air Force Base. Grand Forks sends and receives sensitive data pertaining to unmanned air systems and their interaction with space-based assets like satellites and the like. Data collection from Chinese intelligence would present a costly national security risk, causing grave damage to, US's, to the U.S.'s strategic advantages. And just a news reports, Texas jury orders Alex Jones to pay $4 million to Sandy Hook family in defamation suit. A Texas jury on Thursday ordered InfoWars founder Alex Jones to pay $4 million to the family of a Sandy Hook shooting victim for claiming that the massacre never happened. Following the shooting, Jones repeatedly held the opinion on his show that the massacre was staged by the U.S. government as a pretense for gun confiscation. He claims that some of the parents and families of the victims were crisis actors being paid for their performance. He has since apologized and did so again in court this week. And those were your headline news this morning. I'd love you. The saint of the day? Well, you're going to have to bear with me because there is a lot of some ancient Roman names here. The saint of the day is Saint Emegdius. There you go. There you go. Born in 279, his legend states that he was a pagan of Trier who became a, tri a Christian. He traveled to Rome and cured a paralytic daughter of his host, Gratianus, who had let him stay with him at his house in Tiber Island. Gratianus's family then converted to Christianity. He also cured a blind man. The people of Rome believed him to be the son of Apollo and carried him off by force to the temple of Esculapius on the island of the Tiber, where he cured many of the sick. He declared himself a Christian, however, and tore down the pagan altars and smashed it into pieces, a statue of Aescopulus. He also converted many to Christianity. This enraged the prefect of the city. He was made bishop by Pope Marcellinus I and sent to Ascoli Pisciano. On his way to Ascoli, he, he made more conversions and performed a miracle where he made water gush out of a mountain after striking a cliff. Polymius, the local governor, attempted to convince him to worship Jupiter and the goddess Angaria, the patroness of Ascoli. Polymius also offered him the hand of his daughter, Polysia. Instead, he baptized her as a Christian in the waters of the, of the Toronto, along with many others. Enraged, Polymius decapitated him on the spot, now occupied by Sant Imedo Red Temple, as well as his father's followers, Eulopolus, Germanus, Valencius, and Valencius. He stood up, carried his own head to a spot on the mountain, where he had constructed an oratory. After his martyrdom, his followers attacked Poly Polymius's palace and pulled it down. He died in 309. Saint Emigdius, pray for us. Easy for me to say. Well said, sir. Well said. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay each according to his conduct. Amen. I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You catch that line? According to his conduct. Do you notice in the gospel that every time judgment is spoken of, it's about how we lived, the choices we made? Yeah, think about that the next time someone tells you it's by faith alone. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, one thing to note is that uh, St. John Chrysostom, being quoted by Cornelius Lapide, says, Thou, O Peter, suggest unto me, spare thy life. And so here he's talking about, he's saying that our Lord, our Lord was told by Peter, spare your life, Lord, don't die. But St. John Chrysostom, quoted by Cornelius Lapidus, is here saying even further, our Lord says, not only do I need to die, but not even thyself canst be saved unless you shall suffer and renounce your life. And so Cornelius Lapidus breaks it down. He said, it's really simple to be saved. It's really easy. All you have to do is it's the three-step process. One, you have to deny yourself. Second, you take up your cross. And third, you follow me. It's as easy as that. That's just do it. It's not a big deal. And so he goes on and says, if any man will, note that he says Christ does not compel, nor does he use violence, but he invites the willing and kindly allures and draws them. For who would not long and burn to follow Christ, the Son of God? But as God bid all follow Christ, so likewise he bids them freely to choose and embrace self-denial. Again, Christ deny, draws all men when he says, come after me. He means you will not be the first in the cross in death and martyrdom. I, your captain, will go before you. Wherefore, follow me, because I will precede you, not only by my example, but by my help. I think this is very important to realize that our Lord does not ask of us anything that he did not do himself. He is not some God that's high and lofty on a mountain that cannot relate to us, but instead knows exactly what we're going through. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Speaking of going through some things, let's go through the 10 ugliest churches in the world and the 10 most beautiful. That's coming up on the other side of this break. And also our conversation with Catholic architect Rafael Morales. That's all coming up. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. I'll be right back. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the First Commandment. 
you shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, coming up at the top of the next hour, Mark Houck from the King's Men Apostolate. Also, he is... Uh, he helps to host a show on the Guadalupe Radio Network called uh, A Life Lived Joyfully, and uh, we're going to have him on because we're going to talk about the man's role to defend the vulnerable. And in society, we're seeing a lot of opportunity for men to defend the vulnerable. We're going to have that conversation with Mark Houck at the top of the next hour. Join us if you can, but joining us right now in studio is an architect, Catholic, Rafael Morales. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Thank you for having me. I thought we'd start with uh, the top ten ugliest churches and then maybe look at the top ten most beautiful churches and maybe get your input on this, guys. Uh, I know you have your own personal hit list. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I'm sharing my desktop there, Adrian, and uh, I have a list. It's from the Thrillist, uh, Thrillist.com, so you know it's got to be comprehensive. Cheap thrills. It's got to be super <laughs> pointed, comprehensive, on target. The nine, uh, this one is only nine, so I've added one to this to round out to the ten, just so you know. But the ten most ugly churches in the world coming in, coming in at number ten. Um, this one comes to us from Liverpool. Uh, in the UK, it is labeled the Paddy's Wigwam. The Paddy's Wigwam. Now, if you could, if they, I want you to imagine like a teepee. It's kind of like, like a like an Anglo-Saxon <laughs> teepee. He's wearing a, a chef hat with mm -hmm. points on them. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, almost like it's a chef's hat with a crown on top. But it's like a teepee of sorts, like a wigwam, or like in Ireland. You know how you got those thatched. Yeah, roof, hat, you know, mm -hmm. huts. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like that. Or uh, to but, continue the Lord of the Rings, the mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings theme, kind yeah. of like Sauron's tower. <gasps> it does. Right. It does. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, it does look like Sauron's tower, kind of bit. Although, in its defense, it's got those flying buttresses for like Notre mm. Dame. <laughs> Uh, so that makes it uh, that mm. makes it traditional. <laughs> right. Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You tell us. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's at number ten there. The uh, the, mm. the Paddy's Wigwam in Liverpool coming in at number nine for the ten most ugliest churches. This one comes to us from Saskatoon, Canada. It's a Holy Family Cathedral, sixty-five thousand square feet. That's kind of large, I would say. Uh, I don't know how that compares with other, like, say, uh, St. Peter's Basilica or something, but 65,000 seems like a lot. Almost the same size of the house as, I bet, uh, Bill Gates' house in Lake Michigan <laughs> there. Uh, let's see, he says, uh, the cathedral is one of the largest in all of Canada and is the biggest supporter of a flock of seagulls haircut. <laughs> so if you're, if you're a fan of 80s music... You know the glam, the glam rock era. <laughs> you can imagine what the flock of seagulls haircut. This church looks a lot like that, with these sort of 
weird. You know what it kind of reminds me of? The first time you ever saw the uh, the F one seventeen Nighthawk stealth fighter. Mm. Uh, do you ever see that aircraft? It's like the very like the, when it came out and bombing stuff in Iraq yeah. in nineteen ninety one. We were like, "What is that?" <laughs> like it looks like that, only not black. It's got those weird <laughs> angles and 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 crazy stuff. So that's that's number. I think it's at number nine there. Coming in at number eight, Rudy. This is a, this is your, probably one of your favorites. The Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels in Los Ooh, Angeles, oh, California. Yes. At number eight? Yeah. On the it, world's would, ugliest churches list. I would put it in the back of the list. It's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. You, you know, know You know, I ran into Bishop Barron there at the cathedral really? a few years ago. <laughs> really? And I love this story. And while I was there, mm-hmm. he was uh, just mm-hmm. chilling on the on a bench in, uh, in civvies. <laughs> As you do. And, in civvies. Uh, yes. And I was walking by, and I saw him, and I was like, mm-hmm. is that... Is that Bishop Barron? <laughs> and I was like, this is the LA Cathedral. I guess that would make sense. So I yeah. went over there and I was like, I- I'm sorry to bother you, but are you are you Bishop Barron? And he's like, yes, I am. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He goes, I was like, can I take a picture with you? So I took a selfie with him. And afterwards I told him, I was like, you know, your cathedral is really ugly. Nice to meet you. And he said, he goes, he goes, yes. But it's my cathedral. Uh, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like a public library. Yeah. You know, like San, in San Antonio, <laughs> the public library in San Antonio, it's different color, but kind of the same yeah. style. Yeah. So it doesn't, like if, I, if you didn't say this was a church, I wouldn't really A know. lot of these churches would make great convention centers. Right. You know, yeah, just not great like churches. Bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. Okay, that's uh, number eight. Number seven, coming in at number seven is the, uh, Bras- the Brasilla Brasilia Cathedral mm. in Brazil. Yeah. Ooh. And it its top also looks like a like some sort of weird crown out of a uh you know a Hollywood version of a, a, a English monarchy. It's just gets weird it's got a weird shape to it. So again, very round spaceship. Yeah, that one screams sixties, right? Yeah, like it's exactly. so six it, it it was dated the day it was finished. You know? Oh man. <laughs> it was dated the day it was finished. That's horrible. Uh so that was number what did, what did I say? That was number seven. So here here we are at number six, the Cathedral of Christ the Light in Oakland, California. Your state, Rudy, is making this list the top you ten know why? ugliest churches on the planet. I have a theory. Yeah. I think they hired mm-hmm. the same architect. You, you think, think so? I could be wrong. Sadly, I don't think that's the case. Oh, <laughs> sadly, it's over. Says, uh, <laughs> let's see. The cathedral was built after the area's previous church was badly damaged in an earthquake. Uh, let's see here. Uh, to, to me, this one, this one just looks like, like you said, like a convention center right. or yeah. some sort of municipal building. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you wouldn't know that this was a church from the outside if no. someone didn't tell you. Not Yikes. at all. Not okay, at all. That's six. So number five again, staying in the. Uh, Golden State. We <laughs> determined it was the Golden State. I think the we? person doesn't know about churches outside of America very much. <laughs> no, they do. There's some more on okay. here. Yeah. Uh, okay. there the Crystal is. Cathedral coming in in Orange Garden Grove, California. There Crystal Cathedral coming in at number five today. Now, this was a Protestant church that the Catholic Church, the diocese in Orange said, you know, of course we'll buy that. They bought it yeah. for an absurd price, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the number off the top you need of my to head, pay but it was premium. way more. This looks like something Klaus Schwab would probably yeah. live in. You know, it's like... Uh, in his weird robe. <laughs> yeah, with a little hairless cat. He's like, we must get rid of climate change. You know, something like that. It's this glass building tower thingy dingy. It's just insane. Dingy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what I said. What did I say? That was number five. All right, so number four here, uh, going down to Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro, the Metropolitan oh, Cathedral of that's Rio just a skyscraper. de Janeiro. This reminds mm. me of an Aztec temple. Oh, oh you're oh, right. Wow. It does look like an Aztec temple. It just, I mean, it looks like it even has a staircase mm. just like yeah. an Aztec temple. <laughs> you know what it reminds so, uh, me of? Yeah. It reminds me of the uh, abortion temple in Houston. Yep. Ooh, it does. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. All right. So that was what I said. Four. Uh, coming in at uh, number three here. Uh, yeah, number three. No. Yeah, yeah, number three. Cathedral Basilica. They're not numbered, so I gotta, I'm got. i trying to keep track. The Cathedral Basilica Menor Nosa Senora de Gloria. I really messed no, that up. But this is, this is down in Brazil, and this, too, looks like, like something either SpaceX. That from the Coneheads? This is like SpaceX or... <laughs> Rapunzel's up there. What is the uh, what is the Amazon version of SpaceX? I forget. Uh, Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Right? Uh, is it something like they would do this... Alex. No, that's, like that's, that's, that's horrible. That is a uh, cone head. Yeah, it does look like a sh- giant traffic cone. It's Probably a medieval princess. Three hundred feet tall. A medieval princess hat. That's hilarious. <laughs> With like like spiky crown thing on the bottom, and then this giant cone. I mean, it's just it's hideous. Like what? Who was? Who was in charge of the, Who said, you know what, we should give millions of dollars? You know, it'd be cool though this if it was functional and there was a bell tower up there. There's no bells. There's just a cross. <laughs> There's a cross, but no bells. That's that's what you have to realize about all these churches is someone had to be convinced to do this. <laughs> right, yeah. There was a committee, right? Yeah. And we're like, we think this is the great. All in favor, I, I, I have it. I mean, like, who's in charge? Yeah. Yvonne Steyer, one of our listeners, says, it looks like a dunce cap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's tall. It's huge. It's It's got to be two, three hundred feet. I have no idea how tall that is. But it's it's absolutely massive. All right, so coming in at number two uh, from the Thrillist list was the uh, was the cardboard cathedral <gasps> in New Zealand in Christchurch, uh, yes. New Zealand. It's actually made from cardboard. No That's way. right. Yeah, that one. No, that so one it's just like an A-frame. It's just like the material that holds your toilet paper. Yes, they make the church from that. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, that the interesting thing about that design was simply that it was supposed to originally just be temporary. Yeah. But I think they ended up keeping it. <laughs> of course, we like this thing. <laughs> right, and and I add the number ten, uh, the number one from the top ten ugliest churches, is a a church that is a glass and it's shaped like a woman's like uh that's not catholic pump shoe that better not be catholic <laughs> you're what? joking that's it's not in catholic. taiwan it's is called the cinderella <laughs> you know her slipper the cinderella slipper wow it's uh it's in taiwan it's called the cinderella church or something like that oh, so it's catholic so that's it's not catholic that, there's no way that's that catholic is, that it's blue blue glass church you're no, joking with, with love in big letters out front so. it's blue to yeah. keep a marian theme okay so nice. that's the top 10 ugliest churches on the list let's see what the top 10 most beautiful churches in the world with st john Cantus. very little list. time remaining here coming in at number 10 in iceland is a name and a town i wouldn't begin to pronounce correctly that's you nailed it mm-hmm. and it is uh it, this is a, a church in in iceland gothic looking beautiful looks epic i'd want to go in there uh Huge bell tower, one big massive bell tower. Uh, coming in at number nine, St. Basil's, not the one in Houston. <laughs> not the one in Houston. Not the, not the one in Houston. St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow, Russia. Iconic. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, Iconic. Yeah. Adrian's oh, a wow. hater of all yeah. the. Yeah. Is this Catholic? It's Russian no. Orthodox. It's so, yeah. yeah. 
But it's it's iconic. It's colorful. It is. Looks like it should be in Willy Wonka. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I expect a Cupcake chocolate Castle. river or something in your vibe. And number eight is the Canterbury Cathedral in the United, oh, yeah. Cath- and yeah. United uh, Kingdom. Yeah. Beautiful. That deserves to be on that list. Epic. Mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, so would you say it's Gothic style? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Number seven, the Cathedral of Santa Maria del Fore in Florence, Italy. Huge. Yes. You've seen this picture a billion times. Massive dome, mm-hmm. uh, bell tower, and all. It's One gorgeous. might say Uge. Uge. It's, it's the Ugest of all, of all you've ever seen. Okay. Here's the number six one. This one's coming, out, coming to us from De Cordoba. 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 I said it correctly the second time. Cordoba, Spain. The uh, the Mesquita Cathedral. Is that how I say that? Mesquita. Uh, yeah, Mesquita. like Mesquite. Now, I, I have another image here. It almost looks like a compound, but inside they have like these archways that are just like orange mm. and, and sort of uh, sandstone color. It looks like a that mosque. mosque? Well, yeah, so like so the story there is that that used to be a mosque, and it was converted into a uh, base. Crazy Crazy <laughs> Number five is St. Peter's Cathedral in Cologne, Germany. Ooh, Again. That's nice. Oh, that's epic. a gorgeous cathedral. Epic, yeah. epic. It's too bad uh, it's in Cologne. Ger- why? <laughs> David O'Grey is going to be going there pretty soon. That is pretty actually the... The bastion of the bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bavaria. All the more reason for a cathedral, right? Bavaria, I guess, yeah, you're right. Over Austria have very gorgeous churches that could have made this list but didn't. Number four is the Duomo of Santa Maria mm-hmm. in Milan, Italy. And mm-hmm. uh, gorgeous, epic, beautiful, gothic, massive building. Uh, just raises your wow. your whole mind towards heaven. Number three, Notre Dame what Notre Cathedral Dame? before it was burned, obviously. Mm-hmm. Number two, St. Peter's Basilica, which I've been to absolutely massive massive and we'll talk more about that coming up the next segment number one on this list of the most beautiful churches in the whole wide world at least from the the luxury travel experts.com's list sagrada familia barcelona spain which has been being built by the family for since 1882 more on that and catholic architecture is coming up next Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the church criticized for defending celibacy? What about for defending marriage? Have you ever heard it accused of showing contempt for women, but also sneered at because only women go there? Have you ever heard it attacked for asceticism, but also for extravagance? How about for being dull? How about for being too garish? How about for being too worldly or too unworldly? Or insisting that people confess their sins? Or showing too much mercy to sinners? Notice any contradiction among the critics? G.K. Chesterton says, here's a broad and simple test. If you hear a thing being accused of being too tall and too short, too red and too green, too bad in one way, and too bad also in the opposite way, then you may be sure that it is very good. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. 
Breitbart reports whistleblower neuroscientist exposes two decades of Alzheimer's research as fraud. The landmark study was published in Nature a magazine by neuroscientist and University of Minnesota associate professor Sylvan Lesney in 2006, who claimed to have isolated a protein that caused memory loss in rats by creating plaque deposits in their brains. Similfam, a drug, was later developed that purportedly improved cognition in patients by repairing the protein isolated by Lesney. But attorneys hired two neuroscientists suspecting that the drug was promoted with fraudulent research. A consultant named Schrag was hired by the investigation as an expert consultant because he previously expressed, expressed skepticism of similar drugs. He did indeed identify altered or duplicated images in dozens of journal articles when he dug into Similfam. But after duly relaying his findings to the National Institutes of Health, he kept going and found what he called red flags in the 2006 Lesney study that launched all of these protein treatments. Justin News reports mortgage rates dropped below 5% for the first time since April. Mortgage rates last week continued what has uh, been largely a downward trend over the last six weeks, falling below 5% for the first time since April of this year. Rates tracked by Freddie Mac show the, w the week ending on August 4th with 30-year uh, fixed rate mortgages at 4.99%. That's the first time the 30-year rate was that low. Uh, the last time that was, it was that low was in the first week of April. And here's the harrowing tale I mentioned from Sky News. The headline goes... Frenchman, 62, survived 16 hours in capsized boat in Atlantic Ocean before rescue, verging on the impossible. The sailors sp sent out a distress signal on Monday, 14 miles from the Cisargas Islands off of Spain's northwest Galicia region, the Coast Guard said. A rescue ship c carrying five divers set sail to rescue the man, who has not been named, as one of three helicopters sent to sent to aid the search located the upturned vessel in this as the sun went down. However, at the time, the sea was too rough to attempt rescue, so the team attached buoyancy balloons to the ship's hull to prevent it from sinking further and waited until the morning. The man responded to divers seeking signs of life by banging on the hull from the inside. He was then airlifted to safety and taken to a hospital for checks, but was released soon afterwards with no issues. Praise be to God. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Wow. Can you like, you know they're outside, so you have a sense of relief. Yeah. But you have to wait overnight to get rescued. Meanwhile, you're just breathing a little pocket of air. That takes. Uh, Whew. That takes uh, strong faith. Yeah. Wow. And not having claustrophobia. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Don't forget, today is Friday, which means I'm going to be sending out the CDT Insider email this afternoon. So if you would like, uh, you know, goodies, freebies, awesome stuff that I send your way. Last week I sent you two movies, not one, but two movies about an incredible, heroic Catholic in the, in the midst of uh, Nazi-occupied Rome who worked tirelessly to run a network of people, agents, operators, to save not just Jews, but, uh, you know, uh, allied soldiers behind enemy lines, uh, people who were considered outlaws by the Nazis and the fascists, and they saved 6,500 people. But in the midst of all of that, guess what the good Monsignor O'Flaherty did? He also converted the Gestapo commander, uh, Colonel Kepler. Yeah, true story. It's incredible. Uh, that's what I sent you last week. I'm going to send you some good stuff this week, too. If you would like to get in on the CDT Insider email list, 
All you have to do is go to the email on our, go to the uh, sign-up form on our webpage. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Look for the insider email list. You can, it only takes a minute or two, and you'll be on the list, and I'll send that to you in your inbox and harass you at least once per week, praise be to God, with some good, good stuff. So uh, check that out. Again, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Again, joining us in studio right now is Rafael Morales. He is a Catholic and architect. And uh, good morning to you again, sir. Thank you for your good time. Good morning. Praise be to God. There was, uh, I, I'm starting to get the sense that, that uh, those lists were not as inclusive or as uh, finely tuned as they ought to have been. There are uh, probably a lot of churches that probably should have either been on the ugly list or on the most beautiful list, and some might have swapped the list. But nonetheless, um, we are dealing with a, an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that we have uh, a lot of architecture here is just without purpose. Mm-hmm. It seems, uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the word I want to use? It modernist. seems mo- well, modernist, sure, but also just like confused. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, lost, wayward, chaotic, chaotic, it, uh, wandering. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't uh, point to God in in such a way. Or just lacks purpose in in general. Mm. So uh, let's start with this question: uh, What happened to the sacred in church architecture? That's a great question. How much time do you have? No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, quickly thinking about that, because obviously I think it's something everybody wonders about. Um, there's so, unfortunately so many ugly churches in the world. So it, it, it was a, unfortunately the perfect storm of, of different things coming together. It kind of begins after the Second World War, where you obviously have this devastation, right? And unfairly, the traditional architecture gets scapegoated as part of the problem, you know? And so there's this, there's this desire to kind of start over in the world of architecture from a clean slate, and you know, throw away everything in the past. So that's that's one one stream that was running through. Then, of course, is also this stream of the changes in the liturgy itself, right? Mm-hmm. So that the liturgy was in a state of flux, you know, in the, in the '60s, and so there was a lot of things that were in upheaval as well. And lastly, there was this desire in the church for relevance, right? And the thought was, let's do away with what we have we see as the trappings of tradition that is holding us back from reaching people. Now, as, as we can see, hindsight being 2020, that was, that was not the correct view. That was an incorrect view. <laughs> Didn't work out, did it? Didn't work out very well. And so what, what's happening now is a rediscovery of tradition and seeing how, rather than hindering us, mm-hmm. the identity that we have as Catholics is our strength. You know, that having a strong, clear identity, both in our architecture but also in our liturgy, is much more effective at winning souls to Christ. Here's another question I asked yesterday when I was thinking about this interview. Is beauty in the eye of the beholder, or are there principles that uh, are at play that are true for all human persons? Yeah, that's another great question. So I think for a long time, you know, again, since probably about the 60s or so, people think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but, and, but no, actually the Catholic tradition and the Catholic understanding is that there is such a thing as objective beauty. And, uh, you know, it really comes from kind of the realist to mystic tradition of saying that something is beautiful, and to use big words here, something is beautiful when it reveals its full ontological reality, mm. which essentially is when it reveals its essence, right? It's so, foreness. That's right. Yeah. And so when is a church beautiful? Well, when it reveals churchliness or when it reveals the essence of the liturgy, right? And mm. so if, if it captures that, then it is beautiful. So, and, and that goes across the board, you know, when, when is a woman beautiful? When she is womanly, you know, when she is 
fully what she is, you know, and so that that is the objective definition of beauty. It's interesting because St. Thomas actually never treated the topic of beauty. He kind of just great, uh, glosses over it. He, yeah, he defines... Kind of in passing. Right, in passing, he just defines beauty as that which when seen pleases, yeah. uh, which really struck me because uh, we talked about this with our buddy Dave Palmer in Dallas, and he's like, you know, it's interesting. Whenever Thomas doesn't comment on something, that tells you something because he talked about everything, everything. Yeah. And so if he briefly just goes over beauty and just be and just says that's which scene pleases then it was expected that you kind of knew what beauty was intrinsically mm -hmm. you just recognized mm -hmm. it yeah. and so he didn't feel the need to go on further because mm. our taste which uh you know you know there's a saying you know uh there's no accounting for taste yeah. and so <laughs> the and so saint thomas addresses this and is like yeah well you you see it and it's it just makes you, it lifts your heart and mind to God. It pleases you. That's right. But now our tastes have been so distorted by reality. People like death metal music, they like ugly yeah. architecture. Yeah. We've just been convinced, bombarded by this ugliness that we see something that's just like slightly less ugly. And we're like, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that element of it? Sure. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you have to be formed in beauty as well, right? So just like you have to form yourself... In your faith, you have to form yourself in having, you know, in educating yourself as it regards to everything. You have to form yourself and your children in beauty. You have to expose them to beautiful things that, are, again, are objectively beautiful because they reveal something of God in the everyday. And so I think it's, it's important that we realize that in our culture today, a lot of things are being presented as beautiful that in reality are not. Mm -hmm. And why are they not beautiful? Again, you think about a sunset. What is beautiful about a sunset? Well, it, it makes everyone stop for a moment and realize that there's something beyond what we have here, you know? And so when something is beautiful, it kind of shakes you a little bit and it makes you realize that it's not just about you. And so I think that formation in beauty and what you might call taste making, having good taste, used to be something that people tried to do. You know, so that that is something that we need to focus on more. Mm. I just got a text from a friend of the show, Jesus Robles, who uh, is uh, uh, upset because I've left off the list of the most beautiful churches, uh, a church in his hometown in Mexico, the hometown of Zamora in Michoacan, the Santurio of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is an epic and beautiful church. Um, let me ask you real quick, because we're down to seconds here before we go to break. Uh, what would you consider the most beautiful church in the world? Most beautiful church in the world. I'm going to go with St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Really? I love the Gothic architecture and especially how striking it is against the glass office buildings around it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God, St. Patrick's Cathedral. All right. Hold that thought. Our guest is uh, Rafael Morales, a Catholic and architect. We're having an interesting conversation about Catholic architecture. And coming up after this break, I want to ask about the new Catholic church architecture. What is that about? All that and coming up and more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Out. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. We're having a conversation about church architecture, the philosophy of church architecture in many ways. Rafael Morales is our guest, and uh, Rafael, welcome back to the show. I was just thinking about when, back in 89, I was in Europe, mm-hmm. and my dad and I were, were playing tr- uh, tourists there. Um, and we traveled to Austria, Switzerland, Italy, Bavaria, and it was interesting because I wasn't Catholic. My dad's still not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but guess where all the churches we stopped at? All Catholic churches. All Catholic churches. We didn't visit one single Protestant church, as far as I remember. Yeah. And uh, and I, I just, it was obvious, although we weren't really going to church. It was obvious that this was epic. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was intriguing. And I can still rem- I can still see St. Mark's Dome in Venice yeah. right now in my mind, how massive it is. And you can see it from far off, and it just draws you in. I'll never forget 2005 as a Catholic visiting St. Peter's Basilica in Rome and just seeing, beholding in the St. Peter's Square, yeah. its facade or yeah. the 10-foot-tall letters that wrap the inside yeah. of it, the, the, the holy water stoop as Adrian has uh, schooled us on, the holy water stoops that are as big as I am. I mean, there's something to this. But you talk about a new contemporary Catholic church architecture. What do you mean by that? I mean that there is, there's been a movement, and it's a growing movement. It's continuing to reclaim tradition. And not so that you, you create kind of an antiquarian thing where you're just copying the past, but you're returning to solid foundation from which to kind of begin again. And so what we're seeing in a, in a lot of church design now, and, and thankfully it seems to be widespread, is a desire to have churches that are sacred again. Because mm-hmm. I think that's been one of the big problems. We've lost a sense of the sacred. And how do we do that? We do that by returning to the solid foundation of tradition. We have such a beautiful, like you said, go to Europe, such a beautiful and wide variety of beautiful churches in the Catholic Church. Why are we having to reinvent ourselves here? Let's draw on this well, this beautiful font that we have that is the patrimony of the Catholic Church. Mm. That's so true. You know, there, there is a, a movement that I'm aware of, of people reconverting these churches that were, uh, we lovingly call them, recovated. Yes. Like after, after the council to kind of uh, refocus them in a way towards the community. But there's mm-hmm. a movement of people uh, restoring these churches and there's Absolutely. wonderful images of before and after yeah. what goes into that is is it is it really difficult uh, is it costly have you ever done anything like that so a lot of times it's it's first you know if it, to return to 
sacred space again. It's realizing first why you build a church in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So you, the reason that church exists is for the altar. The altar, of course, is the center of the liturgy. It is upon which the, the saving act of Christ is performed in the Mass. And so when you realize that, and you realize that then the church has to be ordered around the altar as a central piece, then you begin to think about, okay, so these churches that were recovated, how do we now put it back so that all of our attention, our focus, and the whole church is pointed towards what the Mass is about, you know? As far as, you know, is it expensive, is it not? Of course, I mean, a lot of that depends on materials. Mm. But it can be done in a way that is affordable, in a way that, that is prudent, and, and you know, you, you're good stewards of the church's money. But beauty is an essential thing. I think we yeah. forgot that. You know, we, we thought that beauty was optional. But what we've come to realize now is that in order to fully participate in the liturgy, we need to be in a beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's so, so true. I'm thinking of... The when I was in Poland, I did, took a trip to Poland, and in the areas, the communists forced the people to have brutalist architecture, and then afterwards, immediately afterwards, everyone everyone's living under communist rule, but the people living in the brutalist apartments mm-hmm. all started committing suicide at a much Absolutely. higher rate, yeah. and so they're noticing this. Like you're like you said, we need beauty. That's yeah. a need. It's not a want. It's a it's necessary for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And I was telling you off air the the TFP people who listen to know I mention them quite often, uh, big fans, and the the their founder Professor Plinio would have these transcendency exercises, what they called it, and mm-hmm. I liked how you talked about. Training us to to like to love beauty to understand mm-hmm. what beauty is, yeah. and so they would show images of ugly churches or ugly architecture, ugly cars, things like that, and say, "Okay, why is this ugly?" And then they look at very beautiful cars, beautiful architecture, beautiful paintings, and say, yeah. "Okay, why is this beautiful?" And then when they're out in public and they see ugly statues and things like that, they point it out and say, "That's ugly." And if they have time to explain why is that ugly. Because Professor Plinio said, whatever is not explicitly rejected is implicitly accepted. And I find that very interesting how we have this necessity for beauty, even beyond the church, but just in everything, our apartments, our government buildings, our 100%. office buildings. Can you speak about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, it's, yeah, beauty is essential. I mean, I, I want to say a little bit more about how you can form yourself and your family to, to beauty. So the first thing is, that nature is the first place we encounter beauty in a powerful way, right? I mean, that is, no one's going to beat the creation of God, right? Yeah. I mean, if anything, as an architect, you just kind of try to, you know, to be in, in, uh, in connection with nature. So that's one thing. Go camping, go see beautiful things that are natural. The other thing is that I think is really important is be thoughtful about the art you put in your own home, right? Mm-hmm. So think about how the art you're hanging on your walls is going to influence yourself and your family. So be thoughtful about that. And the last thing is go on pilgrimages, you know, go seek out beautiful buildings, beautiful churches, especially, mm-hmm. and just experience it. You know, like a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do you become a better designer of architecture? You know, what do you do to kind of form yourself? And I always say, I go visit beautiful churches because at the end of the day, architecture is experienced. You can look at pictures and get an idea, but there's nothing like being in the space. So that's something you can do to kind of form yourself in beauty. Yeah, I've been blessed to travel and see uh, various uh, churches all over the world, Uh, not so much in Asia, but in other parts. And uh, you you can always know the ones that inspire you and the ones that don't. I don't think you have to be an architect or have uh, trained in theology or philosophy to just realize the inherent beauty of these structures. Um, But talk to me about materials here. Um, 
Do you have a preference in your new contemporary Catholic church architecture philosophy? Do you have a preference on the kinds of materials that ought to be used to construct churches? Sure. I think it's very important to use natural materials as much as possible. So again, you know, to use stone, to use wood, use brick is good as well. So materials that remind us of nature, that remind us of God's creation, because what, what we have to realize is what's happening in a church is we are, in a, in a sense, when you use stone in a building, mm-hmm. you're sanctifying stone. You're offering it up, right? So, you know, there's, of course, the, the concept of sacrifice, right? You're sacrificing the stone for a greater purpose. So you think about the flowers on an altar. The flowers, which are beautiful on their own, but when they're sacrificed so they adorn an altar, they almost reach their higher purpose, you know? And so the more that we can have these, this idea that a church is really a prefigurement of the heavenly Jerusalem, mm-hmm. right? It's a prefigurement of heaven. Therefore, we are to take, just like we will be elevated, you know, through the grace of God, to, to be with him, so all of creation is elevated, and a church is a prefigurement of that. Mm. What so, a, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, so the use of natural materials mm-hmm. is what communicates that to us. It's a visible form of what I just said. What about the shape of the building? Uh, I was uh, just recalling a second ago as you were talking about uh, Father Jackson's Nothing Superfluous, mm-hmm. and he's got a whole section on there about yeah. the, the symbolism, the meaning behind Absolutely. the shape of the building and all of the, uh, the elements, uh, the cruciform uh, uh, shape of the building. Do you, do you think we should retain the cruciform? Or do you think it's okay to have round or odd-shaped buildings? I, I think, you know, all things being equal, a, a basilica or cruciform shape uh, church is preferable. I mean, I think that that shape of a building is more consonant with the liturgy, right? So if you think about, again, the idea of what's happening, right? So when you enter a church, especially some of these medieval churches, it's great. So the narthex is normally very dark, right? Mm-hmm. Because the narthex is representative of the darkness of sin, right? Before you're baptized. Then through the waters of baptism, you enter into the church and, and you know, you open the doors and it's flooded with light. So now you're part of the body of Christ, right? And the body of Christ is facing eastward, normally in a traditional church, to where the altar is. What is the altar? The altar is the meeting of heaven and earth. And so the church building itself was a, a testament to the journey of the Christian. So when you have a linear plan or a cruciform plan, that is built into the architecture. You know, mm-hmm. It's not something you just have to imagine. You see it. Mm-hmm. And then when you add on to that, just the, the beauty of the decorations, the, the, uh, the stations of the cross, all of the statuary that you have in a church, all of that begins to build in your mind an idea of what heaven's like. Mm. And that's necessary. That's really important. What would you say is the ugliest church in the world? You said St. Peter, St. Patrick's in New York was the most beautiful. What's the ugliest? The ugliest church in the world. You know, I try not to think about ugly churches. (laughs) (laughs) What not to do. (laughs) Our our friend Nancy over on YouTube said, The Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City looks like a circus tent. Yes. To me, it reminds me of the UN Hall. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because, of course, that is one of the the most important pilgrimage sites in the world. Mm -hmm. But the architecture is very unfortunate there. (laughs) And there's the older church right across the square. That's right. Which is... More beautiful. It is. But yeah. we don't go there anymore, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, ugliest church in the world, you don't have a... You don't I'm have thinking a it's probably some sort of brutalist church. I mean, I actually think Our Lady of the Angels in California, the, the LA <laughs> pretty bad. is one of, yeah. the, one of the ugliest. And in fact, 
you know, little quick fact on that. So the architect, um, Rafael Moneo was the architect, not to throw him under the bus, but um, he, uh, he, I think, was confused. I was reading about his design of the church, and he said, we oriented the church towards Rome. And I was like, well, that's not really a thing. <laughs> I mean, so Every direction. So it, it almost made me think that he didn't really know much about Catholicism. But, but speaking of orientation of a church, you know, I mentioned East. So that used to be, across the board, the way Christians built churches was facing East. And why East? Because East is the rising of the sun, which is symbolic of the resurrection. And so, yeah. again, in the architecture itself, imagine going to Mass in the morning, mm-hmm. having a stained glass window on that east wall, mm-hmm. and then watching the sun rise, oh. and that light just beaming Flooding in, in yeah. right? So, again, we kind of moved away from that, but there's a real significance to mm-hmm. facing a church east. Yeah, we built our home chapel facing east for that very yeah. reason. Yeah. We just don't have the stained glass. Right. Yet. Yet. Well, Yet. Real, real quickly, we only have <laughs> about like, 30 <laughs> seconds left in our conversation, but what would you say to someone who's like, I get what you're saying, but, you know, I like my church. I may not have all this stuff, but I like it. I would say that we need to take a broad perspective and, again, reflect on what does the liturgy demand? You know, like if you think about it's, you know, we are educating whether we realize it or not. We are being formed by the buildings we design and build. And so if we are not thoughtful about it and if we don't design them in such a way that it reinforces the liturgy, then, you know, at the least we are, we are kind of like missing a huge opportunity. But we need to really take advantage of it because architecture is a powerful thing mm-hmm. that can't be forgotten. All right, praise be to God. We're going to have to put a pin in it there, but we're actually going to continue this conversation in the after show, which is the second half of the next hour. If you would like to uh, get in on that, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Otherwise, we'll see you back here on Monday morning. Praise be to God. Have a great weekend. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We establish orphanages and help the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, You are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven, is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John Vianney Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Rafael Morales, he's still hanging out with us, uh, but we're going to pick up that conversation where we left off at, uh, at the 30 past the hour. So if you want to join us for the after show, we'll continue pontificating about the philosophy of Church, church architecture, and just why is the cathedral in L.A. so bad? So send us your questions yeah. about architecture. And and the L.A. cathedral, specifically. No, I'm teasing. Uh, but nonetheless, great conversation. If you missed that, by the way, I should have mentioned, he has a podcast called Beauty Ever New, which you can find on his YouTube channel, Beauty Ever New. And I will put a link to it in the CDT Insider email that I'll be sending out today. So make sure that you're on the list because not only do I like to find some, some you know, really good entertainment for your weekend, uh, but I also like to send the links of uh, stuff like this. So I will include Beauty Ever New in the email. Just go to the website if you haven't signed up already. It's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can find the uh, fear and trembling uh, email link there. Just takes a moment. And we're going to send you a free talk by Father Bill Casey in your inbox immediately just to say thank you. It also softens the blow from me harassing your inbox at least once a month. You know what I'm saying? So it's a winner for everybody involved. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Look for the fear and trembling link there. Guys, would you have added, what, what church would you have added to the ugliest or most beautiful list? The Chapel of St. Basil in Houston, Texas. To the most beautiful? That's oh, amazing. Oh, to the most beautiful. What? Wait, I, what? Ugly. What? <laughs> my, my bad. Annunciation yeah. in uh, the Orthodox Church in Houston, if we're picking the Houston Church. Now, now, the outside of that building I don't find inspiring, but I haven't been on the inside and I've heard it's beautiful. The three domes? You don't like the three domes? Uh, they're hard to see from when you're, because you can't see it from afar off. So you're driving next to it, so I think it loses. I have to get a drone mm-hmm. up there to kind of take it all in. But, okay, uh, for me, absolutely the worst, mm-hmm. it's hands down, is the cathedral in Tokyo. Tokyo. Brutalist, very so, odd mm-hmm. looking. Okay, and then most beautiful, I would say St. Vitus in Prague, which I've been to. It's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wish I could go back. Yeah. I think, I think Dr. Taylor Marshall is in Prague right now because he, he sent yeah. I think I saw that cathedral I was like where did I see that cathedral because you mentioned it and I was like I think he posted a picture of it mm-hmm. because I saw that and I was like whoa that's woo, it's cool that's because amazing. it's in a, a part of town it's elevated yeah so uh, it kind of overlooks the, now, the, the city now what it's if cool. well, hypothetically speaking we have a minute here before we talk to Mark Houck what if what if we took back the Hagia Sophia 
uh, based uh, for like the third time or how many times? <laughs> what if we What if we gathered another holy league and we took back the Hagia Sophia and and made it a Catholic church again? Would you say that was the most beautiful church in the world? Most beautiful? I've only I seen don't know. pictures would of you put it. it on the list? So, I, I would put it on the list. It would yeah. need some renovation though. Yeah, it needs a lot of renovation. That's what I'm thinking. It like, still has some original iconography. It does. It does. But the, yeah, the geometry of that space is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It really is. Yeah. Got to take it back. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, fascinating conversation. Again, we'll pick up the architecture theme when we uh, we get to the after show, which is, of course, the 30 past this hour. At 15 past this hour, we're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And your last chance, your last chance to win the prize pack is today because we're going to give out the prize today. So be ready. Be on standby to make that phone call if you would like to play our game at 15 past the hour. I'll give you the phone number when the time comes, but it's on the website if you would like to hedge your bet. But let's go to our friend Mark Houck from the Kingsmen and co-host of A Life Lived Joyfully, which is heard Monday through Friday, his day's Tuesday, all across the Guadalupe Radio Network in the 3 o'clock Central Time Zone. Good morning to you, Mark. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, where in the world are you right now? You're, you're like in a remote location. Brigantine, New Jersey. New Jersey. Praise be, God. Praise be to God. Uh, it's good to see you, my friend. You know, I was last week. We I covered a story about how uh, what was what, what country was it? Norway? I forget which country it was that has aborted almost all of its uh, children with Down syndrome. And, uh, you know, there's many children that are caught into that that they thought had Down syndrome but didn't really, you know. And then, of course, there goes the other way, too. There's children they thought were fine, and then they would have Down syndrome when, upon birth. And it's such a, a, a tragedy to see that we would be killing so many children in innocent life. But then I saw this great story out of LifeSite News. The headline said, Abortions Plummet 90% in Poland after ban on killing the unborn after birth defects. What comes to mind about stories like this is, as men, it's our job to defend the vulnerable. How often are we doing that, Mark Out? Sure. Well, not enough. And uh, it's great to see what's happening in Poland, but it, it's not enough here in the States. And with the recent Dobbs ruling, um, we, have, we have a tremendous zeal that has been encouraged in the opposite direction and i've been seeing that in my local vigils here in philadelphia pennsylvania i'm seeing a tremendous energy that has been triggered through the dobbs uh, ruling so we need more men and we need more women of course but um you know we can get into the reasons why men aren't engaging i have plenty of theories on that but uh, the other side is stepping up their game, so to speak, and it's getting very aggressive. Mm. Um, not in a good way, uh, but they're advertising and they're marketing. They're really, they did a huge article in, Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, which I was in, but they interviewed me for about 30 minutes and uh, they talked about all of the benefits that Planned Parenthood brings families and brings the community. Now, uh, some of that's true, I guess, in, in the sense of what they're offering. You know, it's not just abortion that's being offered at these facilities. However, that's the main influx of their, of, you know, their, their mission, the driver of dollars, that is. 
So it's it, it's the the goodwill that is being spread through their responding to this Dobbs case. Uh, they're trying to spread message that is really not uh, a truthful message, and so uh, you know, I, I just think people are there's an apathy. Mm. There's an apathy that's that is taking place right now that we really need to to jar men into action. Uh, you know, there's a, I think too many men have been raised on pornography. I was one of them, of course. Uh, I've talked about that many times in the past. Um, and men who are raised that way tend to become effeminate. And part of the effeminate nature that men suffer from is just that lack of engagement, like you just said. There's almost a fear of conflict. And they can't really deal with these conflicts. And so as a result, the byproduct of that is the vulnerable, the innocent in society isn't being defended the way they ought to be because men aren't engaging in this stuff. So how do men overcome that? Yeah, you know, it, it, I think when it comes to activism, you know, some people have a, uh, an innate desire to do it, for one. They're just gifted at it. Uh, however, courage, as you know, as a Marine, is, is, is taught. It, it's, it, you're trained in it, and you have to put yourself in an environment where you have to exercise that courage. And, and it's not always a pleasant environment where, where you learn these things. So whether mom, see, mom and dads have to take their children to the abortion mill, I think, in order to instill the need for it, the desire, the purpose behind it. And unless they do that, it's it's hard for a young person just to kind of, I guess, fulfill that activism plug or role. They're great at praying, uh, you know, chastity. They understand that that's the, the foundation for a culture of life. But when it comes to getting out on the streets and standing in the gap, which is what we're ta- what I'm talking about, mm. is, is is being there for the people who are abortion-minded women and men. Uh, that that just seems to be not on the priority list. And I, I frankly, Joe, I don't know of anything more important than, than that piece of work. We obviously need to do the legislative element of all this. There's always the political side of this issue. Um, but at the grassroots level, fundamentally, it's getting out there at your local abortion mill and praying and standing in the gap for these women and children. And there's just not enough men doing it. Yeah. You know, I think I was thinking about men and, and the need for healing, and I think a lot of guys, that, because of uh, because of not having a lot of humility, uh, I'm not thinking of myself here at all, but uh, uh, we struggle to face our brokenness, we struggle to admit our weaknesses, our faults, and whatnot, and so when we get invited to like things like retreats or whatever, we tend to shy away from it, we tend to say no to it, we tend to avoid that kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time, they're missing a great opportunity here because when a guy f- can confront it, when a, when a guy can uh, take that step towards healing, big things happen in his life, do they? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, when, when, when you're changed, when you're transformed, um, there's great expectations now placed on you. A lot of men don't want to go to that place of healing because it means people are going to expect certain things from them. Once you're healed, you're no longer needy, right? You're no longer in need of other people's attention, other people's compassion. Now you're, now you're back in the fight. So as whether it's a soldier or, or someone who's wounded in, a, in an athletic field, once you get healed, now you're expected to perform. 
you're expected to do something. You're expected to contribute. So there's a lot of pressure there. And I think it's easier for men to not heal. It's easier to stay in a place of need because it's just, it's just a, it's a safer place mm. uh, when, when, when people are wounded. Now, the Kingsmen, they offer uh, two incredible retreats that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. One is, and I've been to both of these, by the way, uh, the Samson Retreat. I think it's a great retreat for men who have struggled with uh, father wounds, mother wounds, pornography addiction, uh, abortion like I did, and, uh, and all of that. Tell us about the Samson Retreat. Sure. Well, we deal with a lot of post-abortive men and post-contraceptive men. Uh, which is in itself a, a, a tough for men to even connect that dot. So what we do at these healing retreats is we connect dots. We connect dots from the past. We connect dots from the present. And since we were so good at compartmentalizing, uh, a lot of men you know, don't see the value. However, it's a small retreat. We've done a, about 21 of them, and uh, you were part of them. And it's held in New Jersey, where I am now. Um, and it's a wonderful place to go where men can be with other men to um, you know, confront the past, confront their current struggles and trials, and allow Christ into that space. It's not a, anything clinical that we do. It's all spiritual healing. And it's a, you're surrounded by a great group of men who desire the same thing for themselves. And so we give them good food, as always, as you know. And, um, and we allow Jesus to, to bring them to the place that they're supposed to be, where he wants them to be. Mm. And that's, of course, a place of healing. Amen to that. And then, of course, the King's Men also produces a, a retreat called Into the Wild. And it is my favorite men's retreat that I've ever been on. I've been on a bunch of uh, men's retreats, and out of all of them, I really love the, the Into the Wild the most. And I've been to, I don't know, five or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, but And there's a big one coming up in Arizona in, next month in September, and I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. But tell us about the Into of the Wild. Sure. So, so we started this back in 2009, and uh, we put in put on over 50 sponsored over 50 of these. And right now, it's currently in in the Southwest and in Phoenix diocese. Flagstaff is where this next retreat will be in Mormon Lake. And uh, we've been going there for the last four years. Uh, we had a break in between with the COVID, but uh, yeah, we have about 50, 60 guys, as many as we, we can take up to 100 guys. Um, but it's a great group of, of men, and uh, it's a great place to visit. If you've never been out to the to that area, Grand Canyon, Sedona, all those areas, a lot, a lot of guys will come out early and visit those places. But um, it's a great group, landing spot. We have a Kingsman group right in Flagstaff, so that's our hub for recruitment. We get a lot of support. We did from Bishop Olmsted. I'm not sure about the new bishop, but um, we get a lot of support from the Diocese of Phoenix. And, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful place where we go and learn about our manhood, what it is to be authentically masculine, unapologetically Catholic, how to be a leader, protector, provider is at the source of, of this retreat where men are learning skills to be better at those things, be a better husband, a better leader of the domestic church, a better protector in the home, a better protector in the community. And, of course, a better provider. And that's not just physical provision. But All right. Praise be to God. We're out of time with Mark Hoff from The King's Men. Thekingsmen.org is a great place to go to find out information on all that they do to include the Samson Retreat, the uh, uh, the End of the Wild, and a lot more. Go to thekingsmen.org. Mark Hoff, God bless you. God love you, my friend. Have a great day.
Coming up next is the game show. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, waiting for your call. We'll be right back, 877-757-9424. I had a friend ask me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus is risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have secrets and agendas. Oh, we just don't want it to get out. That's all. That's all I'm asking. It's don't, yeah, loose lips sink ships. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so keep this just between us. There are a few things that we do on the down low. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. And then, of course, number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers, it's been proven uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are fun and intelligent and amazing, and they laugh with us, which is the most important part for us, and we enjoy that. And then, of course, number three is we give out prizes, which means this is a stimulus without the inflation. It's amazing. And, you, you know, we're going to give out those prizes today. And, but here's the kicker. Here's the real trick to the whole game. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I will not be asking the caller these questions, so they don't need to know any of the correct answers, but could still win the game, and that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, and I shall ask Adrian, 
and one of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer, and the caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week was Teology of the Body, which is a very punny name. Teology, as in a t-shirt, because the winner this week is going to win their Blood of the New and Eternal Covenant shirt, mm -hmm. which features a chalice of the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Wow. And uh, if you want to get one for yourself, you can check out Teology of the Body on Etsy. That's T-E-E-ologyofthebody.etsy.com. Connect with them on Twitter, Teology of the Body. And if you're one of them Instagram people, you can go to teologyofthebody.shop. And uh, thank you very much, Teology. All right. Praise be to God. Teology of the Body. God bless you. God love you. Thanks for giving us cool stuff to give away to our audience. All right, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Sienna. And Dominic. Oh, uh, Sienna hello, and Dominic. Praise be to God. Is this the Burrier clan? Yes, sir. You got and, a twofer. Yeah, I got, got a twofer two today. Now, Sienna, didn't you have a birthday recently? And Dominic. Yes. Dominic, and Dominic. Is, both of you, like, are you twins? Yes. And when was your birthday? August 2nd. August the 2nd. That was like Ooh, just this week. What Nice. What did you get for your birthday? What did you guys get for your birthday? Anything cool? Anything fun? No. Nope. What did you get so far? Uh, Scuba well, we diving? On a road trip. Skydiving? We went on a road trip. Bull riding? Like, what, like, what is one... Like... Surely it was something epic and amazing. Bungee right? diving. Bungee diving. <laughs> Is that a thing? Bungee jumping. Bungee, jump, bungee jumping. Yeah. Oh, praise be to God. Yeah. Where yeah. You... yeah. I got a baseball bat. Hey. Nice. Now you. That's right. You play baseball. Praise be to Jesus. Is it a, a wooden or aluminum? What are we talking about here? You mean aluminum? Yeah. <laughs> metal. It's a metal bat. Praise be to Jesus. All right. Well, Sienna and Dominic, remind us what part of the great uh, Republic of Texas are you from? Bull Verde, Texas. Bull Verde, Texas. The land of bull riding. I would Is that uh, I have no idea if that's like a green bull? Bull Verde, Bull Verde, Texas. Beautiful place, but I think you have fires in your doorsteps. So we're going to keep you guys in our Where are y'all calling from right now? Florida. Florida. Hey. Sunshine. Nice. And you were just recently at uh, the shrine in Hansville, Bam. Alabama, uh, that where Mother Angelica is buried. Is that true? Yes. yes. Awesome. Praise be to God. All right. I know you guys know the rules. Let's play. Uh, you should know, though, ahead of time, Rudy is not wearing a tie again today. So correlate that information mm. to your advantage is what I say. Are you ready, Sienna and Dominic? Yes. Let's do this thing. Team Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. We are legion. Or as some would say, Tricky Rudy. <laughs> it's good to see you. <laughs> Uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. You, did you say we are ready a second ago? I said we are legion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just hmm, joking. That's awkward. Okay. Uh, please help me. Behind <laughs> me, Satan. Uh, all right. Uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Praise be to God. Are you really, really sure? Mm, yeah, I'm really, really sure. Well, let's start Tell with an easy want, one, then. Really want. Let's, <laughs> let's start with an easy one. Who right. is the patron saint of travelers? That's an easy one. That's what I said. And uh, I hope you uh, you ask for his intercession there, over mm -hmm. there, people who are, yeah. who are driving. Okay. St. Christopher. 
On the nose. With the staff. I think I've seen those uh, medals and the, yeah. the visors of, of cars and such. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's just see what uh, Brother Adrian has to say. Adrian, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you've spent a tremendous amount of time at St. Basil's Chapel in uh, downtown exactly. uh, Houston area. Could you tell me, who is the patron saint of travelers? I'm not sure what the connection there is, but um, this is the, one, the first statement was, in fact, accurate. The answer to your question, though, is uh, St. Travolanus, which is where we get the word Tra- traveler from. Tra- yeah. You and your Roman names again. I know. Travolanus, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. say? Travolanus? And they, they created the word travel after him. I see. Because oh, he traveled a lot. Oh, I see where you're... Okay. Yeah. Well, Sienna and Dominic, you've got options here. Uh, who is the patron saint of travelers? Adrian says it's St. Travolanus, but Rudy says it's St. Christopher... Who is right? Who is wrong? Fifteen seconds to go. Sienna Dominic, what say you? Rudy, Adrian doesn't fool me. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Dominic, not swinging the low right uh, corner curveballs. Not having it, Dominic. With the aluminum bat sound. Key, key eye there, Dominic. Praise be to God. <laughs> well done. You are correct. Saint Christopher is the correct answer. Saint. Travelanus is not a thing. It didn't happen. Yeah, it's not, fake news. Not, not a real person. Not a real person. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. You're in the cup. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your chances with this next question, which I'm going to say probably is the hardest question of the day. Probably. This is easily the hardest question that we've had today. I have to almost agree with Adrian here. I mean, I would say 9 out of 47 chances of being the hardest question wow. ever. That's, that's a lot of chances. Harder than Stoop? Maybe. Uh, all right, here we go. What is the uh, we're going to go to Adrian? Adrian, what That's is me. the term for wayside shrines? Okay, where the crucifixion is shown. Right. So a wayside shrine where the crucifixion is shown. Those are called chaplets. Chaplets. Yes. Got it. Like okay. a divine mercy chaplet. Mm, that, like, that is say uh, uh, analogous. Uh, Those I are see. analogous. So they're like chapels, but umpakito. They're Oompa chaplets. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay. Rudy, can you tell me? One person fits in there. (laughs) Not all people are created the same size. Rudy, what is the term for wayside shrines that that the crucifixion is shown? When you say wayside, I think of like a hidden shrine off in the the hills or something. Well, anyway, they're known as Calvaries. Calvaries? Yeah. Interesting. Calvaries. Okay, sounds made up. All right, Sienna and Dominic, you got options. Uh, Rudy says these wayside shrines where the crucifixion is shown are, are called Calvaries, but Adrian says they're called chaplets. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Sienna and Dominic, what say you? Adrian. No, go the other way. No. Yeah. It's over, folks. I feel like I let you down, guys. I blame Joe. May, yeah. It's not my fault. I blame, I blame me, too. <laughs> it's all uh, Joe's fault. Because when we admit Adrian is right publicly, hmm, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? In fact, the correct answer is Calvary's. They're little Calvary's. That's a tie to the yeah. uh, crucifix. Mm-hmm. Now, in my defense, though, I, thought, I did say this was the hardest question of the day. So, there's that. All right, Calvary's is the correct answer, but don't worry Next e- is the easiest question. Oof. We probably you don't even need to answer. Oof. Like I, if I were you, I would refuse to answer Oof. me because it's so easy. You should just go in the cup automatically. We're gonna go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me 
What is the very last book of the New Testament? The very last book. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but uh, so don't ruin it for me. Okay, no but spoilers. It, it's known as the Book of Rapture. Really? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Wow. I think I heard some minister talk about that the other day. Yeah. Glory, amen. Okay. Adrian, I know you're an expert on all things uh, last books. Could you tell me Mm -hmm. what is the last book of the New Testament, sir? Well, yes. As someone that identifies as having a PhD in epilogues, um, this would be the book of the apocalypse the book of the apocalypse yes not the rapture not the rapture not the rapture Mm -hmm. Uh, all right sienna and dominic here we go the very last book of the new testament or some would say the bible uh is it the book of the apocalypse as adrian is suggesting or is it the book of rapture as brother rudy is trying to lay down 15 seconds on the clock who is right who is wrong sienna and dominic in the sunshine state what say you adrian very confident in your Nailed it. Nailed it. Like, wow. Praise be to God. You're in for two, guys. Congratulations. A uh, lot less tricky on that last one, but uh, Brother Rudy is going to mix up the cup. Uh-oh. Clarence. Clarence. Oh, there we go. Clarence. Let's uh, go. Congratulations, Clarence. God bless you for playing our game. Sienna Dominic, you didn't win, but you were a lot of fun. God bless you guys. Thanks for Happy birthday. Uh, hanging out with us. Thank you. Happy Maybe birthday. Maybe we'll, we'll, we won't make Joe sing for you as a gift to you. <laughs> oh, no, I insist. I insist on Because singing. we care about you, we won't make singing Joe sing. You. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Happy birthday. May the dear Lord bless you. We'll save you. it for the after show. The hey, guys, you guys have a great road trip, okay? God bless you. Be safe. And uh, we'll see you guys in the after show. Have a great day. And that is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Thanks for having a laugh and fun times with us today. We really appreciate it. If you want to comment, go to the after show, grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those tuning in the Guadalupe Radio Network. Immaculate Mary, thy praises we sing, who reignest in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, 
Ave, Ave, Maria. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Pardon the faults of your servants, we pray, O Lord, that we who cannot please you by our own deeds may be saved through the intercession of the mother of your Son and our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of the prophet Nahum. See upon the mountains there advances the bearer of good news announcing peace. Celebrate your feasts, O Judah, fulfill your vows, for never more shall you be invaded by the scoundrel. He is completely destroyed. The Lord will restore the vine of Jacob, the pride of Israel. Though ravagers have ravaged them and ruined the tendrils. Woe to the bloody city, all lies, full of plunder, whose looting never stops. The crack of the whip, the rumbling sounds of wheels, horses a gallop, chariots bounding, cavalry charging, the flame of the sword, the flash of the spear, the many slain, the heaping corpses, the endless bodies to stumble upon. I will cast filth upon you, disgrace you, and put you to shame, till everyone who sees you runs from you, saying, Nineveh is destroyed, who can pity her? Where can one find any to console her? The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm It is I who deal death and give life. Close at hand is the day of their disaster, and their doom is rushing upon them. Surely the Lord shall do justice for his people. On his servants he shall have pity. Learn then that I, I alone am God, and there is no God besides me. It is I who bring death and life, I who inflict wounds and heal them. It is I who bring death and life, I who inflict wounds and heal them. 
I will sharpen my flashing sword, and my hand shall lay hold of my quiver. With vengeance I will repay my foes, and requite those who hate me. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay each according to his conduct. Amen, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. At first it seems that self-denial is the beginning of the end of someone's personality because you're diminishing. You're actually disappearing. You're, you're being less. You're decreasing. But the truth is that unless we decrease, the God who made us and who is really the activator of our truest nature, our deepest self, our, the highest light that we can shine, unless we allow God to live in us and to speak through us and work through us, we don't ever realize who we truly are. Because the truth is that our hearts were made for Jesus the way a fish was made for water. And unless we're swimming in the love of God, we don't get to frolic in the true nature we have. Um, and the, the, if you look even to the inner life of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you see that there's self-denial even within the Trinity itself. You know, you don't see um, you know, with the Holy Spirit especially is so little spoken of. And the Holy Spirit takes from what is Jesus's and gives it to us. He doesn't do anything. He's not a self-promoter. He, he promotes Jesus. And the Father doesn't promote himself. He promotes Jesus. And Jesus doesn't reveal himself. He reveals the Father. So it's the deepest nature. And then the, the other thing is that Jesus himself was sent to reveal who the Trinity was, who the God in his inner essence is, and ultimately, Jesus' life, his greatest significance, greatest meaning of his life was sacrificing himself on the cross. And it is the cross that reveals this. Anytime Jesus says something, we just have to look at his actions to see what he is explaining. Because he himself does. He, he speaks about what he is doing and explains, this is what I'm doing. He took up his cross 
And, you know, it must have sounded a little strange at the time. You know, why would he be saying, take up your cross? Later on, it would make a lot of sense because we would actually see him do that, to actually pick up the very cross upon which he would be crucified and to deny himself and to be someone worthy to follow. The, in, the, in the person of the Blessed Virgin Mary, however, we have a particular example of this. Mary, especially now today, uh, the way Mary works in the church, nobody ever says to a biologist to get rid of the microscope that they're because they can't see. You should be looking at those microbes directly with your naked eye, or get rid of those glasses; they're getting in the way. Or get rid of that Hubble telescope; it's getting in the way of you looking at the nebula that are so far away. Mary magnifies Jesus, but nobody ever talks about her. She, though she's magnifying the Lord, she's showing us if God is small in her life, she, like the microscope, she reveals him. She doesn't ever get in the way. That's why it's silly when people say, well, I, I go to Jesus directly. I, I have to, it's, it doesn't make any sense because she magnifies Christ. No, I'm sure none of you are saying, I wonder what microphone they're using on the radio. You don't even think about it because Mary is like good tech. If she's working, nobody, you shouldn't have to think about the technology that you're using because it works. And that's very similar to our Blessed Mother. She, she is the one who, like the media, she, the, the medium that we use, she magnifies Christ. She makes Jesus more in our life. And yet none, nothing is spoken of her. Let us model ourselves after our Blessed Mother after the cross of the Lord and after the inner life of God that we can give him the strength to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow the Lord. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that the church may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage, proclaiming the gospel in season and out of season. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, and the poor, that we may have the courage and generosity to respond to Jesus in his distressing disguise. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. We offer all of our petitions in silence. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. 
Jesus I trust Jesus I trust Jesus I trust I trust in you Jesus I love Jesus I love Jesus, I love, I love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive, O Lord, we ask, the prayers of your people with the sacrificial offerings that through the intercession of Blessed Mary, the mother of your Son, no petition may go unanswered, no request be made in vain through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, and to praise, bless, and glorify your name on the feast day of the Blessed Ever-Virgin Mary. For by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, she conceived your only begotten Son, and without losing the glory of virginity, brought forth into the world the eternal light, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tuha, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. <coughs> Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et emite nobis debita nostra, Secut et nos temitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. 
Anistehi, quitolis peccatum mundi, miserere no hobis. Anistehi, quitolis peccatum mundi, miserere no hobis. Anistehi, quitolis peccatum mundi, Donna nobis pahachem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Blessed is the womb of the Virgin Mary, which bore the Son of the Eternal Father. Body of Christ. Act of Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Son of Mary, 
receive this heavenly sacrament, we beseech, O Lord, your mercy, that we who rejoice in commemorating the Blessed Virgin Mary may, by imitating her, serve worthily the mystery of our redemption. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Ducedo, Et Spes Nostra Sahabe, A Te Clamamos, Exodus Filiebe, A Te Suspiramos, Gementes et Flentes, In Hac Lacrimarum Vale, Eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis, postoc exilium, ostende. O clemens, O pia, O ducis, Virgo Maria.
You're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. Your Catholic radio station, on air and online at grnonline.com.